0: I'm the, I'm the one. I'm Patrick Medevi, your host of Vagitim, and today I'm sitting down with Daniel DeMartino-Boo. This is our second interview together, and this time around, we're talking about alarming predictions made about China and the U.S. economy. Daniel, thank you for being back it's on Vagitim. And by here. Well, and we've got a special surprise for everybody today. We yes? We have a special surprise at the end, so- it's a uh,
1: long drum roll, but okay.
0: Cannot wait to do that at the end. So, opening question, from the last time we met to today, mm-hmm. April 7th to three and a half months later- What's changed? Both what you feel optimistic about and what are you more pessimistic about in the last three and a half months.
1: So optimism, pessimism. Um, We have seen in the past few months, I think, the best that America can be. I believe that. In the aftermath of the Great Depression, we saw the country come together and we've seen that On so many levels over the past few months, we've seen people's hearts open up. We've seen people's wallets open up. It's just, it's been tremendous, you know, for for a time there. And we're still at risk of this. You know, patriotism was a four-letter word. And I I think that having the country come into a crisis of this magnitude Mm -hmm. has helped bring out the best in Americans. And along the way, we're discovering our innovative inner selves. There are going to be generations of new types of companies that come out of this, and the, the, the trend towards how we receive services in this country is accelerated exponentially. And I think that that's fabulous for the next generation of entrepreneurs. They've got massive opportunity.
0: That's what you're optimistic about. What are you pessimistic about? What got worse in the last
1: hundred days? Everything else.
0: What's the biggest one out of everything?
1: Um, the lack of coordination. Okay. The lack of coordination is going to cost this country countless small businesses, and that's where my focus is. My focus is on the backbone of the country okay. and the small business owners who wanted to hold on for dear life for a successful, coordinated, thoughtful, well-led reopening who are having to reclose again, and that's it. They're calling it a day. Now, a successful person cannot be stopped by one failure. These people will come back but it's gonna be a huge setback that mm. wasn't necessary. Mm-hmm. It, w- it didn't have to be the way it is right now because we are, we are going from ha- having optimism about a V-shaped recovery to knowing full well that we're going into a W and there's no way to stop it.
0: Not even though you're going to a W.
1: We are going into a W shape. There's absolutely no doubt about it, absolutely no doubt.
0: So what wasn't done, pro- what, what could have been done better in the way of handling the original no mask, mask, hoax, no hoax, coronavirus, slowdown, what could have been done better?
1: The president told us today. The president is on the wires today. He has a mask on. He has said, he's tweeted it out himself with a picture of a mask. It has come to my attention that if there's not an opportunity to social distance, if that's just not there, then wearing a mask is the next best thing. So, I'm the biggest patriot in the world, I'm putting on my mask, you do too. He tweeted it out today. That should have been tweeted out on day one. That should have been where it started. It it, it should have never been. On
0: day one, what is day one?
1: Well, unfortunately, medicine and science don't behave the way we want them to. If his closest medical advisors, yeah. sci- scientific advisors, flipped the switch for whatever reason, they felt like PPE okay. was Fair. available yes. in abundance. For whatever reason, if the people, because you have to rely on experts. You're not, you're president, you're not God. So you, you, you're allowed to rely on the people you put around you. But the day that it was decided that maybe masks are better. We're looking at other countries and we're seeing their example. They're having an easier time closing down. They're having a much easier time, much more importantly, reopening. Masks are better. The science was still on both sides, but on that day, had he gone with his closest advisors, there would be millions of people who would be able to keep their jobs. And it's as simple as that.
0: How much of that is on him? How much of that is on Fauci?
1: Well, again, he's Fauci did terrible damage to, to the cause of masks In by the coming out, interview. coming yeah. flat out and saying that they were not necessary. Um, when it was decided that that was a mistake, it needs to have been sung from the hills. This was a huge mistake on my, on my part, Mia culpa. But please... Trump
0: or Fauci? Fauci. Okay.
1: But please, in all humility, yeah. please listen now. Please listen to me now. And you know what? Listen to my equivalents around the world. Listen to my equivalents in other countries. Look at the examples of other countries that are going to reopen, much better than we have Germany take, to take but one example.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Don't listen to me if, you don't, if you've lost confidence in me. Listen to them. Look at their example and then make the decision to not have it be a patchwork approach from one state to the next. Look, this is still a baby virus. We are living under the assumption that it is agnostic to heat. Well, I am sorry, but it is 96 degrees, and they just raised the level in Brownsville, Texas to a level four Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. their hospitals are overwhelmed. This virus doesn't give a damn about the heat. Maybe it's even angrier when you get to the cold. We don't know until we get to the fall, but it's still a baby virus. But it's raged through much of the country. And I don't look at this from a scientific perspective. And that is what gets, I don't know, 99% of my Twitter followers so angry. I I won't look at this from a scientific perspective because I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not an epidemiologist, and I never will be. What I know is that the media is A source of dissension in America and divisiveness, the mainstream media. So every single time I cite a source, I go to this website called Media Bias Fact Check. And they have a spectrum. The Wall Street Journal is right of center leaning. CNN's probably way on the left. I don't know. I don't ever cite CNN per se. But Gallup polls, which has been around since 1935, Mm -hmm. is smack in the middle, not biased, period, end. And I find it to be a great resource, especially as we get closer to elections because a lot of polling is biased. So, late April, Gallup did a poll and they queried Americans based on their age, based on their political affiliation, based on their educational level. What do you feel is the efficacy of masks, yay or nay? Well, 41 percent of college graduates believed in masks so i then because analysis is about connecting the dots Mm -hmm. not looking at at different sightings in vacuums so i connect that 41 percent or 46 percent of post-degree holders and i look and see what they make what their what their incomes are these two cohorts go into the top Fourth and fifth quintiles of income earners in America. 80th to 100%, 60
0: to 80%. Top 20% of America, just top 40% to, of America. Top 40% of America, top 40%
1: okay. of American earners. Okay. They are responsible for 61% of consumption. US GDP is 75% consumption, put differently. The people who believe in masks forget the science. The people who believe in masks are responsible for 42% of U.S. GDP. Fear, and I I know you know about fear, and I know you cannot stand fear. Fear is powerful. If I'm Joe Q. American with the greatest spending power, and I'm afraid to come out of the door, the economy is going to stop. And you know what? The economy has stopped because they're afraid to come out. Now, there were certain places in Germany, if you decided to go out in, in, in a public place without mm-hmm. a mask on, that's fine. You need to get, get out your wallet and pay a 10,000 euro fine. You make up your own mind. Their restaurants are open. Their restaurants are open 20% over 2019 at this time, right now. Fine. Wonderful. People are like 10,000 euros. Oh, wear the mask. But the country's economy is open, and you've got your spenders out there spending. We don't have that in the United States of America. And that means that small business owners who are in neighborhoods of wealthy people have disproportionately gone out of business. Say that one more time. Dry cleaners, restaurants, in the highest zip codes in America. Small
0: businesses and highest uh, uh, wealth of America, they've gone out of business?
1: Disproportionately. Why? Because the people who they serve are afraid to leave their homes.
0: So, okay, by the way, the way you processed that was very logical, I mean, it's just I mean, a pure Harvard way of University reasoning. Harvard yeah. University and
1: Brown University have come together because real-time data is very hard sure. to come by. So they've created a national repository that is free. And you can follow all of the data based on highest, middle, and lowest zip codes. Lowest income earning zip codes. In the lowest income earning zip codes, the recipients of the $600 extra per week, that's $15 billion a week of fiscal stimulus in this one $600 extra a week in unemployment insurance Mm -hmm. that's part of the CARES Act, in the lowest income zip codes, the bottom third, spending through July the 11th was down 1.8% since January. Not even really a blip, right? That's not even a recession. No, it's not, okay. In the highest zip codes, spending was down 11.8%. That's a recession.
0: I see what you're saying. So what you're saying is, the the top forty percent educated these are folks that maybe have a degree they're they're making decent income uh, and they're doing a little bit more research than maybe the bottom would
1: and they can work from home
0: and they can work from home they're spending less the eleven point eight versus the one point eight which is pretty much ten x that give or take it's I think it is ten x that to be exact is ten x that that's a pretty scary number right there. Uh, 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 10 point is about seven times six times it's a big number let me go back to what you said with Fauci and Trump okay because this is something that comes up a lot so Fauci says masks are not effective okay and even you see Fauci when he uses the mask when he was uh, being grilled I think by uh, Rand Paul and Rand Paul is saying, who are you to tell us where kids shouldn't go back to school? And he's touching his mask, putting it down, picking it up, putting it back up, putting it up, putting, going back and forth. Right? And here's a guy that we're that's, supposed to listen to. That's not good mask protocol. That's not good mask protocol. And we're supposed to follow your example. Why do you think Trump doesn't trust Fauci?
1: Well, I think maybe he is looking for consistency in analysis. And that's, that's okay. But Trump is one man. He is in Washington, D.C. Within three hours of him, he has some of the best scientists in the world, whether you're talking about MIT or down in New York. at Cornell, he, has, he has access to all sorts of people who have continued to do the studies. The Wall Street Journal, front page, today says, well, you know what? They have finally figured it out. Masks are more efficacious than not. And by the way, if you want to re- reopen the economy to the maximum that you can, just, I'm just talking about money, wear masks. And this economy, I don't mean to be insensitive to the horror of this virus. This virus is agnostic. The economy only revolves around money.
0: Okay, fair enough let me take it a different angle for you here on this topic so we've had a lot of pandemics in the past before I mean I went and pulled them up and I kind of looked at the numbers because when the pandemic happened I was in LA at my board meeting and De La Hoya and everybody you know said oh we're not gonna come to the board folks from Greenwich didn't flying I said we're coming back so we came back to Dallas I pulled up I said let me see what the pandemics have done in the past top 10 and see what kind of returns they've had I pulled up AIDS uh, pneumonic plague, SARS, avian flu, all these fevers, swine, cholera, MERS, Ebola, and I looked at everything to see how the market will do 6 to 12 months later. How fast does it recover, right? Every one of them recovers 6 to 12 months later, except for one of them, which is AIDS. AIDS is the only one that was uh, minus 16 and a half, 12 months later. You look at NASDAQ, NASDAQ is now what? NASDAQ is now... At uh, give or take, uh, you know, shy of 11,000, right? It's, it's, up, oh. it's doing Absolutely. good for itself. Oh oh. So for some that are wondering, sitting there saying, Danielle, ah. you make a very good point. Here's my mm-hmm. question for you. How come we've never shut down in the past and we've had different pandemics? Why have we not shut down? Why are we shutting down this time? What is the difference?
1: So there are two things going on. First of all, the stock market is completely divorced from, from the economy right now. There are few who would dispute that. It is, it is not reflective of the economy or the economy's prospects. It's reflective of the Federal Reserve printing more money than they ever have and rescuing junk-rated issuers. You had record bankruptcies in June. You had record junk bond issuance in June. These things don't tend to happen together unless there's this artificial force. In fact, today, a Republican on the Hill suggested that there be an inquiry into the Fed pumping so much money into the financial system when, as best as we can tell, the markets are doing just fine. So I'll, I'll be coming to the Hill myself. I'll testify if they need me. So that's one thing. But you're asking a much deeper question. It takes us back to the first time that we visited. Um, In fact I spoke to my friend Leland Miller about this a few days ago if you're flying blind in a Twitter age in a world of social media when you've got when you've got people up in the middle of the night looking at satellite imagery over Wuhan and tweeting it out the next day saying look at this it's got to be the crematoriums going at night It, it can't be anything else from the sky Well, how would we know one way or the other what it was? What we do know about instilling fear and inciting fear is nobody believes the Chinese data. Nobody. Now, if you're John or Jane Q world leader, and the only thing that you know about this virus is that it's really contagious, and that that's all you can say about it because the Chinese didn't let the World Health Organization in, no data came out. So you are a scientific community flying blind into the eye of a storm and you can't even say how big the storm is or isn't. You just know that it's something that was a massive cover-up because there was enough social media that got in and got out and enough imagery to scare the hell out of you of bodies lying dead here and there that you're like, oh, hell, this is really bad. Can you quantify it? No, China held back with the data. So we didn't know what the fatality rate was from day one. We just knew to be really, really, really afraid of it. And if you look at places like Baja, California, where 50% of people who walk through the hospital don't walk out with COVID, in countries where there are no health sy- healthcare systems to speak of, because you know what? We've gotten to be much better at treating this thing much, much better. March, New York City. You enter the ICU with COVID, 60% chance you're dead. Today, nationwide, 42% chance. We've learned how to treat this thing much better, and we're going at it, and we're going at it fast. But we had to learn without the benefit of the origin of this damn thing, because data were never released from China. So it's very possible that, unlike in the past, prior to the social media age when all information was disseminated, immediately it's possible that there wouldn't have been this big of a reaction. We just don't know.
0: Okay, so now i got a follow-up for you on that. Fair. So you're saying we did the right thing shutting down. That's what you're saying.
1: I'm saying that...
0: It's pretty saying, consistent with what you're saying i'm
1: saying that we did the right thing shutting down i'm saying that italy did the right thing shutting down germany did the right thing shutting down uk did the wrong thing shutting down too late
0: Herd immunity boris johnson that's what he wanted to do until he got coronavirus
1: and himself and landed in the icu they mm-hmm. have probably the highest devel- developed world death rate out there but closing down and closing down violently and then requiring masks and reopening that's a different blueprint I'm okay with that because again restaurants in Germany are up 20% year-over-year year, reservations
0: but but to, to manage what you're saying here you are saying shutting down is the right choice here
1: it was the right choice it was here. the right choice here it was yes. okay
0: so now now here's my follow-up okay so is it fair to say there? will most likely be future SARS, Ebola, coronavirus, Mm -hmm. other forms of it. Yes. Is it fair to say that when this does happen, there's still going to be a 12 to an 18 month period where we can't figure out a vaccine? Probably. Okay. So what you're saying to me is 90% in the future, when another pandemic happens, we're going to have more shutdowns over the next decade or two.
1: It depends on the virus.
0: But how, how do you know if you don't know anything about the virus because- well,
1: what, what you do know about the virus is, we don't know what the true fatality rate is and we won't know for a while. We won't, not until it gets cold again, not until we go past the, the risk of a second wave, but we do know what the contagiousness is. We do know that much. And not every virus in the world is as contagious as this thing. That the, much there we are know. Man,
0: there are many other viruses that there are not scores very high and they still didn't shut down.
1: The, the shutting down part is agreed But again, in countries that didn't – let me put it differently. Are we going to be scarred by this as a nation by shutting down? Are you asking me? I'm asking you.
0: I'm asking you my questions for a complete – you're about to get a curveball when I ask you what what direction I'm going with this. But to ask me the question, are we going to be uh, scarred by shutting down? Uh, Absolutely we are.
1: Well, so are lots of countries that got whacked by – Viruses that we didn't get whacked by in Asia, and when this happened, they treated it much differently.
0: But what you're saying is, it's a new way of handling this issue. Is what you're saying? Yes.
1: St- South Korea never closed its restaurants.
0: Okay. Fine. So, so again, so to go back to it, so we yes, don't
1: have to close down in the future.
0: President, uh, uh, John Doe in the future. President, whoever in the future who runs
1: could have been a Jane Doe.
0: Jane Doe or John Doe, yes, or Mary Doe, whoever that runs and becomes president, it's very t- fair to say that they're gonna have a lot of pressure if there's a pandemic that they're gonna have to shut down because they're gonna say back in 2020.
1: Not necessarily. Why not? They're, no, because we're gonna be scarred as a nation. We're gonna say we're never gonna go back to shutting down again. Do you know again. The risk
0: of that president not shutting down? No, I don't, Danielle, because nothing happened to pressure. the pressure.
1: Nothing happened to the president in South Korea. They didn't shut down. Now. They emptied out their restaurants of half the tables. They went to 50% capacity overnight. Everybody put masks on and everybody social distance. And they didn't, but nothing closed down.
0: Okay. So what you're saying is, it's fair to say we have another virus. The likelihood of us shutting down 50, going down to 50% restaurant. We're not going to be at 100% or 75. We're going to go to 50% and shutting down gyms, all this other stuff. That stuff is pretty much going to be protocol moving forward.
1: Yeah, modified behavior, yes.
0: Yes, that's a big modified behavior, though. But
1: it's not a shutdown.
0: Fine, but it's still a big modified behavior.
1: I, I agree with that. Okay. But, we're, but, but think, about, think about the generation of pharmaceuticals. Think about the mass manufacturer outside of Dallas who, in the aftermath of SARS, was promised a government contract but didn't get one. Think about the next generation of pharmaceuticals and personal protective equipment that's coming to our country, coming soon to a country near you. It's your own damn supply chain, never to be relied upon. The kindness of the people in China again.
0: I'm with you there.
1: But we can, we can, we can have our response mechanism can be fast. Get
0: that. But but my what I'm what I'm thinking. And that'll create jobs. What I'm asking with this is so in a future. When another pandemic happens, if we look at these, the timeline on these are uh, AIDS, 81, pneumonic plague, 94, SARS, 03, avian flu, 2003, the, the next fever, 06, swine flu, 09, cholera, 2010, MERS, 2013, Ebola, 20. I mean, it's not like it's once a decade. Nope. It's every two, three years that we have something it like is. this that's coming up. Okay. So every two or three years, we should be prepared to potentially shut down or lower ourselves from 100 percent to 75 percent to 50 percent and are you also saying because of this the whole quantitative easing and sending 600 dollars oh. per week to people to be able to save us from going through that that ought to be the new norm
1: no absolutely not
0: okay so you're not saying that part. no uh-uh. okay
1: no i'm i'm we're in dallas this is where the one ebola person came to the whole country in fact my pulmonologist is the guy who gary weinstein that's my doctor he saved my lungs years ago. For nine months, I was really sick, so I, I, I can't jack with this COVID thing personally. But he treated the one Ebola person who came to the United States here in Dallas. So Ebola was kind of a good thing because it stayed away from us. We don't know what future viruses are going to behave like, but we do know that future leaders can be prepared. And modifying our behavior is not shutting down the economy. You cannot equate the two. And this has been so devastating that i hope it never happens and the greatest fear is that we turn to some form of socialism because other countries will cook our goose period end
0: it it, it seems like uh, that's what's being proposed by a lot of people today in politics but again so my last question on this topic i hope
1: i hope it look the stimulus bill has not been passed and As far as I know, the GOP is pushing back hard against the 600.
0: So we both know what industries have taken a biggest hit. I'll just read off some of the stats so we know, because I know you know this like the back of your hand. Okay, I got stats for industries. Unemployment by industry, I got it in May. I have it in June. I'll read both of them to you. In May, leisure and hospitality, unemployment, 36%. Then you had wholesale and retail took a hit. Transportation took a hit, 14.2%. And you had construction, manufacturing, 11.6. And you had a few other industries that took it. Okay, that's May. June, leisure and hospitality, 29%. Came down a little bit. People got some jobs. Mining, coring, and oil and gas extraction, 17.8. Transportation and utilities, 12.9. Information, 12%. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's industries. Car sales, stats. Uh, number one, Nisa Centra, Q2, 2020. In sales to Q2 2019 sales 62 and a half percent fewer Nissan Sentra's have sold mm-hmm. this Q2 over last Q2 2019 they sold 53,000 Nissan Sentra's this year's 19,907 then it's Nissan Altima then it's Ford Fusion and you have a bunch of other cars even Tesla Model 3 is down 32 and a half percent
1: well if you're receiving an unemployment check just because you're not missing your rent payment does not mean you can go out and buy a new Nissan Sentra. And you, the, the, the cars that were hit the most are the, the 25 million Americans receiving that extra $600 a week. Just because they're not being evicted and just because they're not working doesn't mean that they can go qualify to buy a new car using financing. I mean, it's just, it's the fact of life.
0: No doubt about it. I, I'm asking this question because mm. if Today, you're in your Mm mid-20s. You graduated college. Mm -hmm. I'm 22, 25, 30, and I'm watching this. Danielle, I got a question for you, Danielle. What is it? We just talked about that they ought to shut down and uh, use the formula that Germany used or maybe South Korea used. And if Fauci and Trump were on the same page, fine. If Fauci wouldn't have said 60 minutes and been irresponsible with the way he handles his mask with the Rand paul Fair. okay if they were on the same page and with the shutdown you know we would have gone to masks sooner maybe we wouldn't have the problem that we have today but we're getting better icu in new york from you know march was at 60 percent today it's 42 yep. percent we've improved 18 percent. fine we're making some progress but you said in the future if there's another pandemic we will most likely go the same direction again that we mm-hmm. may have to wear masks we may have yes. to go down from 100 to 75 percent to 50 percent. possibly possibly and some industries like gyms may have to shut down if you're 22 25 30 years old today, and you know everything you know, Mm -hmm. what industries wouldn't you go into as a courier, and what industries would you get into as a courier?
1: So I think we've learned that a lot of industries, I mean, there are a lot of companies that are like, you know what, let's make it to the end of 2021. You can all telecommute to the end of 2021. Lo and behold, we've discovered that our productivity has not taken a hit, and we... It, it, is, it, is in, it is the industries of tomorrow. It is the innovative bent of the future. It is not industries that require a lot of touching. And people don't ever think of the United States as being a low labor cost country. It's the last thing you think of. You think of all these generations of outsourcing to China and Vietnam. Sure. And, but, however... We've had a huge chunk of Americans who've been very underpaid for a generation. And that's how small businesses have been able to grow in this environment. They've been able to grow by virtue of the fact that they can bring labor in cheap. Now small businesses are going to automate. Now small businesses are going to find a way of doing hands-free transactions with their future customers. Chipotle has put in all these drive-throughs so that they can try and keep up top-line revenues without having people come into the restaurants. There will be uh, whoever is the youngest, smartest, graduating from med- medical school right now, who is starting a nationwide telemedicine network, is going to be the next billionaire out there. And frankly, as a mother, it's a little bit too late because I've gone to one too many pediatrician's appointments and waited in one too many doctor's offices when apparently I'm coming to find out because of COVID, it could have all been delivered to my home this whole damn time. So who knew? But there's going to be a whole new generation that makes our life a lot easier. And bring it, bring it. That means that mom and dad can be more productive. You're not taking time off from work to go sit in an office. Life's going to be more streamlined in the future, and that's great. Look, there are there are the next generations of manufacturing capability in the world, it happens to be in China. You know what? Let's bring it home. Let's us be the next generation of manufacturers. Industrial production in this country has not declined since 1980. Industrial production in the United States has gone up since 1980. Employment in the manufacturing sector has come down as we have automated. But we, what we haven't done is we haven't taken it to the next step, to where we can get beyond China and actually start to employ more people because we're making things better than they do. That requires making sure that our kids get well-educated. That's hopefully something that has come out of this disaster is that you can't ignore the inequality divide anymore in this country. You can't. Period. End. You can't be like, oh, that's nice, I'll give to charity, but I better live in the right zip code so I can send my kids to public school. And the heck with the rest of them. No more. The inequality divide has officially cost this country. And if if we don't know that it's time to educate our children, if this wake-up moment does not wake us up, about the need to make sure that our kids are the future scientists and engineers of the world, there's something really wrong with us. I'm sitting here looking at George Washington. He's spinning in his grave if we don't figure this up this out.
0: You still haven't answered my question. about: What industry would you get into?
1: The, well, I, don't, I don't know what industry I would get into, Whatever the next. I'm, I'm not an engineer. I didn't go to engineering school. But today.
0: today what if you what if the Danielle, that thinks the the way you do, you have access to all the information.: what, I would get what into: I would, even would get into, into,
1: into Computer engineering.
0: Computer engineering. Sure. Why?
1: Well, one of my dear friends is one of four. She has three brothers. Her three brothers' parents told them, and she's 40 years old, her three brothers' parents told them, you can do anything you will pay for any graduate degree that you want. We don't care if you want to go do underwater basket weaving and get a Ph.D. in it. We won't pay for anything unless your undergraduate degree is in some form of engineering. One of them is a chemical chemical engineer, one of them is a structural, one of them is a mechanical. One of them went off to get his MBA, one one of them went off to be a doctor. They're all really successful and they have that backbone. That have that backbone to fall back on of an engineering undergrad. When I was getting my MBA, those engineers would come in hungover. Broken up from playing rugby late into the night, barely wake up, take the test, totally trash the curve, blow everybody out, go have a beer afterwards while you're sitting there worried about what you made on the test and how the damn engineer blew you away again. It's, it's, it's discipline. I would get into... Anything that requires getting out of my comfort zone and having to learn the math and the science that you don't want to
0: learn. Would any of the way the coronavirus was handled or potentially a future pandemic could change a lot of industries and put them out? Would you avoid any industries? Maybe let me ask the question that way. Would you, would you avoid giving advice to somebody saying, if there's anything I can tell you, I would avoid getting involved in this industry. I would get, avoid getting into this industry and this one.
1: Well, I mean, it's easy enough to say I, I don't have great aspirations for my kids to grow up and become waitresses or, or the lady who does my mani pedi, which involves Let me ask a question human a contact.
0: Way, Here's a different way. Okay,
1: but I will tell you this much: I, I will answer the question in a different way. A lot of, a lot of the consulting firms of the world right now are realizing because their clients are truly. It's not like a minor industrial recession like we had in 2015 and 2016. This is like a really big kid recession. It really is. It's a pull up your underwear. It's it's this is serious stuff. A lot of consultants are going to be a little bit redundant going forward when companies have to be a lot meaner and a lot leaner than they are today. I think business travel is going to take a generation to come back.
0: A generation. To A come
1: generation up. to come back. People are going to study how much money they used to spend on travel and expenses, and realize that they were able to bring together in the heat of the crisis people from coast to coast. And by the way, Joe, you know whoever's in Korea, he can come on in too, because we don't. He doesn't. We don't have to fly in business class to come to this meeting in New York. That's going to cost the company God knows how much money. We're all getting together because Zoom is yesterday. We've got the next generation of Zoom. We can smell that the other guy across the world's got bad breath. At this point, the technology's coming and companies are gonna save a lot of money and they're gonna realize that they can save a lot of money without, I'm not naming names, but without having McKinsey or Bain or Deloitte have to come in and say, this is how you should approach this problem. You give an executive who's gonna come out on the other end who's still an executive of a company, they're gonna realize that there was a lot of fat in between that they had been sold by corporate America.
0: So the, the 165 starting salary at McKinsey with a $35,000 signing bonus is gone.
1: That damn engineer who got it and bought a 9-11 the day of graduation. <laughs> I'm telling you, he did.
0: <laughs> this is changing the game, by the way. So okay, let me ask you a different way. Here's a different way. You're an advisor. We have a bunch of entrepreneurs. They have millions of dollars to buy businesses mm-hmm. okay so they they're not going to be waiter or a waitress but they may buy a restaurant with a good chef they may buy into real estate they may buy into technologies they may buy into different things if i'm somebody that's not necessarily the guy that just wants to invest and be a passive i want to put my money into business and start a company what industries would you look at business not a job or career
1: the businesses that I would look into would be healthcare number one.
0: Healthcare number one. Healthcare number one. Why is that? I
1: mean, we're trying to kill the baby boomers, but we're not going to succeed. There's going to be some left, and and the way that they're delivered medicine Still the same. Huh? The, the the future of medicine and my generation's not getting any younger. So I think that the I think and there's no reason that there should be a 10x differential between what you spend on a mask in China and what you spend on a mask in the United States. Somebody's gonna figure out how to make this stuff cheaper. So I, you're, you're talking about really tight minds that that know how to not just innovate, but innovate smartly, one up them. But but I think, I think telecom is one. I think that there will be a different way that we, we're, we're not gonna stop going on vacation. We're in a big pause period right now. We don't want to go into high-rises anymore, up and down elevators necessarily. We're kind of leery and weary of air conditioning systems, but you know what? The flight that I took out to Los Angeles recently, what I was told? I was told that the pilots and the co-pilots sitting up in the front of of the plane have always had the clean air systems. Can't have them getting sick. Rest of the plane, screw them. But can't have the guys in the front getting sick. It was just a matter of expensing, spending the money to deploying it. There are going to be, there are going to be young entrepreneurs in America who come in and say, your office building, I'm converting it. There's going to be UV rays everywhere. If a germ wants to even make itself present, uh-uh, no, I've got technology I love that. that's going to zap everything quietly, there's no chemicals involved, nada. Flying is going to be safe. Going to the office is going to be safe. Going to a hotel is going to be safe. There you go. I mean, when I sit in a hotel recently, they removed the stationery. I mean, it was like walking into a prison cell, a very expensive one, because they had to remove everything mm-hmm. that could have germs on it, possibly. Mm-hmm. No, there's a technology out there for that, and it's going to be applied everywhere to, until we were like, fine whatever so there's a new virus i'll put my mask on when i go to the grocery store if i don't have it i had my sam's club delivered today thank you very much gave the person a nice tip we all tip nicer these days don't we we all tip nicer and we should because we're like they're on the front lines they're they're the ones out there doing the things that we don't want to do therefore you tip higher but i had all my sam's club delivered today but if if the time you know if, if for the next pandemic and we know it's coming because this, this puppy is some kind of gradation of, of, of coronavirus and HIV. In younger people, it attacks, it attacks the organs like HIV attacked the organs. So God knows what the next generation of virus is going to look like. But there will be people who come out and invest in business lines that make the world a safer place such that the, the gravity of the shutdown will never have to be reality again somebody's going to make millions off of that, billions off of that.
0: Yeah, I was at Four Seasons in Dallas, and the floors to go up the elevator, they so you can't stay in those rooms. The only ones that are available is the bungalows. So the whole thing with going through elevators, they were uncomfortable doing that. But at West Palm, at Breakers yesterday, they had no problem. They kept the elevators open, if you think about that. Four Yeah, max. yeah four, but four people max is what they kept it, and there was – Sanit- there was masks everywhere, sanitized. so they had a system for doing that. But, you know, we're talking about industry. Yeah, industries. but I'd rather zap the air. Yeah, I mean, that, that would be the ultimate is if we can do that. Here's a question for you. You're in the business. I'm in the financial industry. Financial industry is the lowest for having taken a hit. Why is that? Why is unemployment the lowest in financial and insurance?
1: Well, the, the Fed has been very kind. Tell me more. So, uh, the beauty of Jay Powell pulling out the bazooka and quantitative easing the likes of which he's done and making sure that companies, because you you have to understand the math, okay? This is pretty simple. Non-financial businesses, that just means all businesses in America except for banks. Mm -hmm. So non-financial debt as a percentage of GDP on December the 31st, 2019 was 74%. That is a record in U.S. history. Normally again very simple math normally your non-financial debt to GDP peaks out during a recession Mm -hmm. right because your GDP goes down your denominator goes down Mm -hmm. so as a percentage of GDP it peaks out. prior to going into recession at the end of 2019 74 percent record high including any and all US recessions awful we were ready for not a black swan not the coronavirus we were ready for a sneeze Because we had over leveraged ourselves so much so since then and the Fed knew it so since then from January the 1st until June the 30th non-financial debt in the United States has grown 2.5 trillion dollars why because the Fed forced open the markets by saying we will buy junk bond this is moral hazard The risk return, that math is gone. You can take the risk, we'll handle the return, don't worry, we've got you covered. To quote j Powell, we'll make you whole. So what happens when a company that should have gone bankrupt, like a casino operator or a really indebted cruise line or a hotel chain that was up to their eyeballs in debt, when you say, you know what, instead of restructuring because your balance sheet is terrible and you should go into restructuring and your creditors should lose and your shareholders should. Instead of that, let's instead give you more debt. Fine, what does that do for American banks? What does that do for the financial industry? $45 billion in fee and trading income in the second quarter alone Mm. to the five largest banks in America, a little gift from Jay Powell that helps them offset the $25 billion that they had to set aside for future loan losses. Good business if you can get into it. Not American, but it's a damn good business.
0: What would you have done?
1: I would have let the bad companies go. It's kind of, it's capitalism. It's how it works.
0: Yeah, we talked about this last time. We did. But you know what's different between now and then?
1: Two and a half trillion dollars. And do you know what that means when these companies do eventually go bankrupt? Mm. That means that people lose their jobs because there's much less value to be carved out of a restructuring process because you put that much more debt back on the balance sheet. So you're not talking about the future bankruptcies of America because these are insolvent, badly run companies. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a liquidation. And that really upsets me.
0: Yeah, it makes you think when you're, when you're looking at this because... You know, do you think there's another element where the financial industry is also doing well because they've learned how to adjust to sell through Zoom and no longer have to do the face-to-face? So do you think that was already going on prior to it?
1: I mean, that's, that's part of it. But if, if the stock market wasn't at all-time highs, how would the financial industry be doing? It, it's kind of it, – uh, Jay Powell still can't let the stock market go. The stakes are higher than they've ever been. So you don't have to be a financial advisor. There's not much advice to give. Own the stock market, dot, dot, dot. Don't do anything else, just own this. By the way, gold has done very well, I wonder why that is. But that's not what a financial advisor is gonna tell you about because they're not gonna make money if you own gold. They're gonna make money if you're long the stock market. And so what they've had to tell their clients has not changed over the last several months.
0: Even with the price of 18, 17 as of today, do you still recommend buying gold?
1: I still recommend having a large portion of your portfolio in gold. What
0: does large mean? Define large.
1: I think 10% is okay.
0: too low. Oh, 10% is too low? I think so. You know, the now, number's typically been 5%, not well, even 10%. Well, I know. 10%. I understand
1: that. But if we're going into a different kind of economic regime, I mean, we had a falling interest rate environment for 38 years. These trends tend to take a while. If let's say we end up with socialism in America or some variant of it, I think inflation's going to rear its ugly head if we keep the printing presses going. The socialists say we can go forever and ever and ever. We can't. Foreigners own 36% of outstanding U.S. Treasuries. We still kind of need them to come to our auctions. Now what if they start demanding a higher price to own our paper? Little different dynamic. Kind of makes you wonder where that gold and silver in your portfolio is.
0: Where do you think could go? What, what, what do you think that number could go to?
1: Oh, I, that 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 you're asking the wrong person. That I'm I'm no I'm no technician. I'm no chartist. I just know that I sleep better at night because a good friend of mine, who is one of the best investors I know, said to me, Danielle, it's not. He said a hedge is not five percent of a portfolio. He said how much how much of a hedge is five percent going to going to be? If your other ninety-five percent melts, it's like it's yeah. how much Basic do you want math. that? How much do you want that five percent to so carry? So what did he
0: say his hedge? What did he recommend? He is twenty-five percent. Okay, he's twenty-five percent. Okay, now is, is it That's fair to him. say he's a very conservative guy?
1: It's fair to say he's a very smart guy. He's not a sheep. He's he's anything but a sheep, 25%. and he's certainly not short the stock market either. He's not that stupid.
0: He doesn't short the stock market.
1: Look, one of the things on Twitter that is so irritating is if you say that stocks are overvalued, you get these tweebs come back back at you saying, you're just bitter because you're short the stock market. I'm like, I don't know how you equate one with the other, buddy. But there are many other ways to make money in this world than shorting the stock market or being long the stock market.
0: Did you see what uh, Elon Musk did with the shorts he sold? to all the people that shorted Tesla, and he said, here's uh, Tesla shorts. Did you see that?
1: I, I, I heard about that. Yes, he, he's one wealthy man, isn't he?
0: Yes, he is.
1: He's one What do you think man? about him? I, I cried when the SpaceX thing went up, so.
0: So you're a fan, you're supportive of what he's doing. You're ex, you, know, you, you like seeing an entrepreneur like that keep innovating, but does it concern you a little bit?
1: I worry about his shareholders. Are you one? Hell no. Why not? because it's not worth more than, I think it's United Kingdom, Germany, and I think Tesla stock is worth several countries right now.
0: You don't think it's worth more than Toyota? It just passed Toyota? I'm thinking no. Why is that?
1: Maybe in the future it is, but that was the type of valuation that we were discussing in 1999. Well, if you just look far enough out at the potential for SpaceX, possibly. But China has plenty of electric vehicle makers right now that are in a very bad way. More importantly, India is not ready yet. If there was a country with China at a 30-year low low growth rate, if if India was ready to take the baton right now, if they had, oh, I don't know, infrastructure, a highway system, the ability for that 1.6 billion to be even on a... Minor growth trajectory to get enough income to afford a lot of little le- electric vehicles, much less have the roads to drive, drive them on. I would say that the future looked different. But that's not the case. So you have to have enough humans to put in these vehicles.
0: Or you have to have enough roads to put the vehicles on.
1: In the case of India, which is the next demographic growth country, or the, the Middle East is another very good demographic um, backdrop as well. You have to find countries, but it might have been South America, maybe. But what COVID has done to South America, it's taking, I've written extensively over the past few months. I have friends in Colombia. I have friends, Medellin was the, the, the Silicon Valley of, of South America. What's happening in, this country, in those countries is just beyond devastating. It's going to take them back 50 years What's happening with covid it's just there's a and there's you know I, I was talking to my friend about this there's china's not gonna buy all the copper in the world anymore and all the iron ore in the world anymore and that that propped up so much of south america we have to think about these things you don't
0: think that opens up uh, an opportunity for india to compete with china or no you think india is decades away
1: i think that i think that there are already companies that are that are making great inroads with India the corruption is, is difficult to get past
0: worse uh, than China
1: especially their land laws and you kind of need strong land laws to lay down road so that that's been one of the hindrances to making inroads with India because the potential is there I have a friend who's got factories in India the potential is is right there it, it is but but again it's Right now, you're at a different stage of their growth, not one that Elon Musk can take advantage of tomorrow.
0: You know, we were talking about when I asked you industry. You said if you had to do it all over again today, the industry would consider healthcare. Is what you said, right? You said today, today. If, I, if I was starting all over today, yeah. post COVID, you would consider healthcare, right? Just, just this, this is just for my own- you and, know. and
1: healthcare is getting decimated, but yes. Yeah.
0: So for this is for myself. So I looked at unemployment by age. Okay, May 2019 versus May 2020 by age. 16 to 19 uh unemployment went from 12.6 to 29.9 which is not that bad it's 2.37 times worse 20 to 24 is 3.31 times worse 25 to 34 is 3.82 times worse 35 to 44 is also about 3.78 45 to 54 unemployment went from 2.6 to 2.7 but 55 and over it went from 2.7 to 11.8, it's the worst out of all of them. Why do you think boomers are taking a biggest, and not even boomers, 55 and up, are getting let go and fired more than the rest?
1: There's a good reason for this. And that age cohort has just been decimated, and these will be permanent job losses. If you think about boomers who lost their shirt in 2008 and 2009, and lo and behold, my, the portfolio that I have, the IRA that I have, the 401k that I want, it will, it will, unless, unless I die quick, unless I, unless I put dying on my calendar in the next few years, then I need to go back to work. And so what did they do? They're greeters at Walmart. Mm-hmm. They're checkout people at Home Depot. They're gate agents for Southwest. They're hand-to-hand. They're tactile people. They're in industries where they're the face you wanna see. But that's no longer the case. Now we're trying to reduce the number of people.
0: Yeah, but if they, if they take the hit and they can't find an income, that's a bigger cost on America because somebody has to take care of them, oh, right?
1: Look, you have seen, if you thought that that Italian style doubling and tripling up a, a multiple generations under one roof pre-COVID was bad, you're going to see. I mean, it, p- people are asking me all the time. i expert on housing. People ask me all the time, "What is the future of housing?" And I'm like, three generations, one roof. Baby boomers going, to, not going to be able to get back into the workforce. And and the fastest, well, I'm wrong. I, I said that wrong. The most consistently growing age cohort for the past 12 years has been those 55 and older. Month in and month out, you've seen them add to the ranks of the the workforce. Mm-hmm. They own homes, they own a lot of homes, but so what's to become of them? And the millennials have also lost quite a bit of work, but I think that in the years to come you're going to have multiple generations like you see in Italy under one roof and that's going to resolve the baby boomers having being way too high on real estate.
0: What generation took the biggest hit? Would you say boomers?
1: Uh, To be determined. Because the stock market at an all-time high. Once once we go through what we're going through, what we're starting to go through, which is the the beginning of the W, we're seeing activity in the past two weeks. We're seeing hotel occupancy rates. We're seeing daily rates at hotels come back down. We're seeing seeing, um, TSA throughput come down since July the 4th. We're seeing a lot of activity get pulled back as vacations get canceled, business trips get canceled, people are like finally venturing out, and they're like, hell, I gotta bring it back in. Once we get through this next wave, I think, and we, we have seen initial jobless claims stop improving. We saw that last week for the very first time. That's, that improvement's gone. So once we see joblessness start, start to creep back up, and I think the stock market will get the memo then you asked me which generation's been hurt the most, because...
0: Too early to tell.
1: Baby boomers, but they've got a lot of home, and they're relying on their portfolios, yeah. and not much age in front of them to, to, to resolve it.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, are you buying these polls saying that Biden's going to be Trump?
1: <sighs> Let me tell you about... Where I live. Where I live, four years ago, there were signs in front of everybody's houses. One way or the other. Mm -hmm. More Trump, for sure, than there were uh, for Clinton. You drive through my neighborhood today, you'd never know that an election was taking place. No signs anywhere. Nobody saying anything in private company doesn't even come up as a subject. Three political action committees with Republican money behind them to elect Biden. so i don't know what the silence means i don 't put much i don 't put much in polling because the polls were completely wrong, and trump rode into office showing us that the polls were wrong. The polls were saying that Brexit wasn't gonna happen, and it did. So until they come up with a better methodology for polling, I'm not gonna put too much stock in it. But I can tell you that the drive-by, the way that Warren Buffett used to assess companies, if I can kick them in the tires and I can figure out what they are, then I'll buy them, fine. I can't kick this election in the tire because nobody's saying what they're doing. I don't even see bumper stickers. Nothing, it's quiet. That tells me that Biden will probably win, but I don't know.
0: That tells you Biden will probably win? Who are you more comfortable with?
1: I don't know, tell me who his vice presidential candidate's gonna be.
0: Okay, which vice presidential candidate would make you feel more comfortable with him?
1: I've always liked Mike Pence, I'll tell you that much. So Got I'm not going to answer your question.
0: You just did. You just did.
1: Well, Biden's not going to choose Trump. I mean, B- Biden's not going to choose Pence.
0: That's the point. So <laughs> I, 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 I understand.
1: Look, remember, I'm sending two of my boys off to Culver Military Academy, which is, on you know, it's half a mile from where Pence's family lives. Pence, pre-Trump, I'm walking through the Indianapolis airport. I've been writing about unfunded pensions for my entire career and I'm walking through the Indianapolis airport, which is a great airport by the way, very clean, and I'm reading this billboard that says, are pensions the most funded in America? And I'm like, my hero, who is this person? So I stop, I Google, I stop, boys, Google it, governor, state of Indiana. This is June of 2016, I've never heard of Mike Pence. Wow.
0: What a way to look at it.
1: Well, I'm a fiscally conservative person. I believe in balancing the budget. I believe in bringing down the growth of debt in America. And he is a fiscally conservative, proven person. I don't think that Biden will be that way. He's already said he won't be. It's a matter of public record.
0: Yeah, he said he's going to raise taxes, and they clap for it. Uh, it's, it's, uh, who, who else in a marketplace, if they ran, you'd get behind them? If there was another person running right now, you'd, you'd get behind them or her?
1: Well, I've always found Mark Cuban's approach to the COVID pandemic to be very rational. I've listened to him closely.
0: So if Cuban My mother likes today,
1: him. I mean, look, anybody who my mom likes, I have to like. Well, I mean, it's dangerous if you don't, but she's, oh, honey, have you heard him? He's on TV. So um,
0: So if Cuban ran today, you'd vote for you'd, you'd, you'd be excited about him?
1: Well, I'm a Mavericks fan, too. That helps. But yes. But he did say, if you want to address what's wrong with small business in America, put a push a, push a pause button. Just provide for overdraft protection for those small business owners until we get past the worst of this. don't 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 even take it to Congress. don't even don't go there. Don't go down there with them. Push a pause button keep all the small businesses in America open. They'd still be open today if we'd taken that, I know sometimes keep it simple stupid is the raw, it does not belong in Washington DC, but we need a different way of doing politics in America today and there are a lot more people who are coming out and talking openly about it. This is a magnificent opportunity. A friend of mine asked me a few days ago, Danielle, who would win the election? if it was one year out, considering how many people would be able to run instead. What'd you say? I said Mark Cuban.
0: Uh, you know, here's a question for you. You know, And I'm
1: not some Mark Cuban huge fan or anything. He's just one person I've listened to talk about economically the pandemic in a rational, logical manner that doesn't hurt my wallet.
0: Yeah. You know how uh, uh, people, Say they look at your relationship or your marriage or your way of handling any situation and they'll say, you know what, if I were her, I wouldn't have done that. You know, if I were him, I wouldn't have done that. If I were, if I were, if I were, and we all do it, right? Everybody does, if I were. It's a fun game to play, if I were, right?
1: I hate to do it, but okay. Yeah,
0: but, you know, in and if I were game, we always are the wiser one. The person saying it is always a wiser one, smarter one, it's more sophisticated because we sound better saying If I were, we don't have access to the whole situation. You know, I wonder how much of these, if I were president, I would have done dot, dot, dot. They actually would have done because everybody sounds like more of a presidential president before they become a president and then they become a president and 90% of them don't do what they said they were going to do. So you find somebody who says what he's going to do and you don't like it, he gets president, he becomes a president and he does what he said you didn't like he was going to do. At least you got to respect the fact that he said, he was going to do what he was going to do. I just wonder how many of these guys actually will do what they say they're going to do.
1: But I don't think it's one person. I think it's a country. I think it's the middle. Think about, think about the United States population today as a barbell. You got the people over here whose backsides are covered by fiscal stimulus. Make sure they don't get evicted. Make sure blah, 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 blah. extra a week. They're covered. Their spending's barely down. Think of the people over here who were like, hell, if if they raise taxes that much, I'll move to New Zealand. I'll just leave the country. I'll go. Think about the people in the middle who've closed their small businesses, who've worked hard their whole lives, who tried their best to keep their payrolls going, who are suffering not by any fault of their own, whose economy is closed down again, putting the nail in the coffin of their future for a while. I want this portion of America to come together and not get behind one man or one woman, but a whole different way. I believe in long cycles, but it takes a lot to trigger the rise of a third party in America. But if this, again, isn't sufficient, what is? My oldest is 16 years old. He's voting in the midterm elections. I hope that the midterm elections are going to be a pivotal turning point in this country. I hope that we see that it's not one man or the other that's going to fix the situation, because it's not. It's bigger than one person. You have to get—I'm not—drain the swamp. I don't even want to say it. But you have to come to a whole different way of approaching politics in America that gets rid of all this red tape, all this bureaucracy, to where you can get— enough people in office who are rational to get something done. And you can't just say that because there's no term limits, we can't. Fine, we have a constitution, bring a referendum around. If there are enough people in the middle who still love this country, then we can change the Constitution. We can impose term limits. These are things we can do, and we should do them. But no, you're right, it's not one person. It's not one person because how many have gone off to washington with all the hopes and dreams and aspirations and i'm going to stay clean and then why i need four more years i just need one more term i'll get it done then and they become part of the system that's why you don't need one or two great leaders you need a huge a wide swath of them
0: somebody needs to be the voice though someone needs to be the voice to represent that so you're saying a third party you think we're ready for a third party? I think
1: we're I think we're beyond ready for a third party. What
0: do you call that third party? Independent, libertarian, or a new party?
1: I could care less. It needs a whole new name. It needs Not a independent
0: whole or libertarian. A whole new name.
1: Libertarians have been trying at it for how long?
0: Well, they have boring candidates. Have Thank every, oh you. Gosh, they have boring. I candidates.
1: Had to, I had to text somebody a few days ago and say, "Who's this person?" I mean, we talked about in? it in
0: the podcast. I said, "Please stop with these videos. They're just nice person. She seems sweet, but come on, man. you need a." person that's going to get out there and be a little bit bolder so bold yeah so is it more individual or is it more party because there's got to be somebody you get behind you need someone to be the voice you do but you need
1: somebody and a bunch of people behind them also running for a bunch of important senate and house seats at the same time
0: you're looking at a you don't you're not looking at an eight-year run though you're not making changes in eight years though
1: i'm not dead yet
0: no, I know that, but what I'm saying and is- And they you, say
1: that this Generation Z is on fire. Yeah. They say Gen Z is ready to rock and roll, ready to work hard. If we, if, I mean, if we need a change agent, apparently we've got them.
0: Have you ever talked to the, Trump's camp or no? No. You ever spoken to a Pence camp? No. Never have?
1: I speak with a C- secret service contingency when I'm driving around Culver when he's got his family reunion there, but that's close as close as I've come.
0: What are your aspirations with politics? You sound like you're, you know- you could you I, could I really am, inspire some people. Where I am are happy you at?
1: to back any movement that's rational. I really am. I have a voice. I'm I uh, clearly I'm not quiet. I'm ready to use my voice to bring about change in this country because I love my children and I want their future to be different.
0: Do you have plans of running? No. At all? No. Why not?
1: I, it could be past my time. I think we need somebody young. We need a— We need. How, a,
0: you know, what are you talking about? It's past your time. Different. We
1: need a candidate, but not his politics. But we need somebody who is young and charismatic and can pull the whole country together.
0: yeah, but but you're you're not you're you're saying it's not just presidency. You're saying other positions. And other positions. So but here's a problem. You ready? Mm. People who are smart like you, who have great lives? Don't want to run. Don't want to run. <laughs> so, I mean, what, what do you want to do? God, about I it coming. I mean, you you want to fix it, but you don't want to run.
1: Maybe I'd be maybe I'd be like the the person who finds people.
0: No, the you'd chief be the recruiter. of staff. You'd be like the recruiter. I'll go
1: recruit people. I will. <laughs> There's a long time oh between now gosh. and 2022. But
0: see, that's the We've challenge. We've got a
1: runway. And in, in, in a world of social media, the runway's compressed. Yeah. You can get the information out there quicker than you used to be able to. We're not in the dark anymore.
0: Well, I mean, I don't know if you know or not. The interview we did, your videos were picked up by Saudi Arabia, and it got like 5, 6 million views, and it was all over the place. And so nowadays with social media, you're being heard all over the world. It's yep. no longer a... Uh, message that you're just hearing in one place. Just a question for you. Did you, did you see what Ted Cruz and uh, Mark Cuban had going on today?
1: No, I did not.
0: Okay, so let me read it to you and see what you think about it. So a guy named Mark Davis sends a tweet at Cuban. I'm so ready to be on this year's Maverick home straight. So much promise, so much personality. But the minute one player kneels during the anthem, I'm out. Surely Mark Cuban, I think he says, surely Mark Cuban, uh, uh, he continues to say some words about who he, uh, what Mark Cuban would do. Mark Cuban turns around and says, bye, okay, to the guy. He just says bye, meaning don't come. Now, this gets 100,000 likes and a bunch of retweets, okay? Then right afterwards, Ted Cruz says, really? is telling everyone who stands for the flag who honors our cops and our veterans to piss off in Texas? No less. Good luck with that. Mark Cuban comes back and says, have some balls for once, Ted Cruz. Speak to me. It's my tweet. Ted Cruz comes back and says, speaking of balls, tell us what you think about China. I'll wait. This is all happening today in the last four or five I did not hours. know this. So then it continues and says, I think I won't criticize, uh, uh, if you think I won't criticize China and what they do as concerns American citizens, watch this video, et cetera, et cetera. Anyways, they go back and forth. And then he says, why is it, Ted Cruz, that you take such pride in standing up to and speaking truth to the Chinese, but you have no ability to stand up and speak the truth to President Trump? So... The concern with Cuban as a candidate is his position to China, and obviously, for obvious reasons, because... Well,
1: first of all, stop for a minute, because there is no kneeling for my flag. I stand for my flag. Zero for you. Zero tolerance.
0: You're a Mavs fan. If they start being okay with kneeling, what do you do?
1: I'm no longer a Mavs fan.
0: You're being serious about this.
1: I think that the missing link in America today is that patriotism is some kind of conditionality. There's no conditionality about being an American. You either are or you're not. You either stand for the flag or you don't. There are people who died for that flag. I don't think, there's no wiggle room around it. I'm sorry, but You should be proud to be a patriot, and you should be proud of this flag, and you should be proud of making the next generation proud to also not kneel. If you don't like what's happening in this country, do something about it. But don't disparage those who've died for you, ever. And by the way, Ted Cruz, put a mask on.
0: And this is coming from somebody that actually is a fan of Mark Cuban. It's not like you're against Mark Cuban. But your position is strong with military, and I respect that a lot. Going to what Ted Cruz said about China and Mark Cuban China, why do you think so many people in America, business people, are so protective of China?
1: Business people are not protective of China. You don't think so? I think there's a movement against.
0: You think so? Oh. I can name many, many billionaires that are. Fine,
1: whatever. Are there hedge fund guys who want to play the system? Yeah. There are a lot of big businesses who realize that China's been stringing them along for a generation, saying, we're going to open the country. We're going to give you an opportunity to have great operations.
0: Come on, Daniel.
1: They're lying to them. There was a great article recently. I can't remember where I read it, but there was a great article recently where American companies have finally woken up to the fact that they're not going to make major inroads on the mainland. Okay. That there's not going to be the next generation of electronic payments. Alibaba's already there. It's finished. China invites an American companies after it's completely finished saturating its own market. It's an insult. I agree. A complete insult. And it's, it's better known than it's ever been because all of a sudden in boardrooms across America, CEOs, CFOs, boards are being said, a trade war is one thing. Killing Americans is another. Figure out a new supply chain and figure it out now. This is not a trade war. This is not optionality anymore. Figure out a new supply chain.
0: you think the left and the right is all on the same page with that?
1: I don't think that Biden, I don't. I don't think that Karl Marx could pull back what we've learned about China. I think if there's one service, if there's one service that's been done, it is a greater recognition of the fact that it's not about soybeans and it's not about corn. It's about 5G. And other countries are figuring this out look at what look at what china's trying to do to australia look at what china's trying to do to its other to countries that have benefited from chinese policies for years and years for these countries to stand up to china and say had you released the data on the pandemic maybe we australia would not have shut down and we wouldn't be going into the first recession in 40 years but australia Led the independent inquiry at the World Health Organization to look into the origin of the virus, and was backed by 116 countries. 116 countries, and Australia benefits arguably more than any other country in the world with their natural resources exports, and they still stood up to China. I think that there will be a change, and we don't need the change in our farm in our farmland, and lies from China about how much they can or will buy. I'm happy that they're buying American. American soybeans, that's fantastic, but don't come into my 5G network. And other countries are figuring it out. And it can't just be one country because it's the next, it's the next China's artificial intelligence, their robotics, their 5G. These are the things that Americans need to be doing. You're asking me about 20 to 25-year-olds? One-up China at what they're doing and make sure that they can never have espionage become a part of taking us down again. And yes, a lot of countries, and companies, companies both are figuring it out.
0: I agree with worldwide. I agree with a lot of countries are turning their backs on China.
1: But companies in the United States are as well. I
0: I don't think the NBA is, and I do not think Hollywood is. I think those two industries are uh, so reliant on the need to have China play NBA games and China play Hollywood movies that they're so frightened of saying anything about. One GM from Houston says stand up, to Hong Kong and what's going on. He gets hollered and LeBron, you're, you're out of line. And he wasn't prepared what he said. And nothing against China. They'll say anything against anybody, but they protect China. Anything against anybody except for China. Well, They'll call out the president. They'll call out the uh, businesses. They'll call out any other place that they, they will not touch China. Have well, you been following this with the NBA I, and, and I, Hollywood? I, I, mean, I
1: have tangentially. I don't follow Hollywood very closely because I don't listen to too many people in Hollywood very closely. So it's.
0: I, I think you were like Ricky Gervais. I don't know if you saw Ricky Gervais' speech or not. Uh,
1: yes, I yes. Okay,
0: he's, he's one person you ought to follow. Can you in say Hollywood?
1: barking like a seal. Yes, that was me. Um, but but to your point about the NBA, to your point about kowtowing to China, for any reason, if that is a requirement that we bend for commerce, then, then the future of this country, as I described the barbell of the paying people not to work and being filthy rich and there being nothing in the, in the middle, no middle class, no middle income earners, no entrepreneurs, no small business owners, if that's our future, then we bend forever. Or you know, will the real American raise their hand? and not let this happen.
0: We spoke on April 7th, you said something about China that was picked up all over the place uh, on how the way they signed the contract and the agreement is right on the dates, et cetera, et cetera, and that if they do, they're protecting themselves, fine. How bad do you think China is going to pay a price for what they did at this point? This is July, what are we today, July what? 20, July 20th. 20. That was April 7th when we spoke. How bad is China going to pay a price for what they did?
1: Well, what China's not going to do is crash. They can manage their decline. They've been carefully and methodically managing their decline for years. Fake data. They can continue to manage that decline. But they're not in the position of strength that they would have the rest of the world believe. And what this virus has done has weakened that position further. That's why they've signed a 25-year secret agreement with Iran for security purposes. It's not like it was on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. It was, it hush, was hush some
0: places, but it wasn't Wall Street. Right. No, I'm with you, 100%.
1: They are definitely trying to- $45
0: billion, $46 billion? To build
1: alliances. Yeah. And you wouldn't be building alliances if you didn't feel like you had to. They've got very little goodwill left on the entire continent of Africa. Very little. They're not going to have much goodwill left in South America because of what we were talking about. They're not going to buy all the all the copper and all the iron ore from those countries at a time right. when those countries' economies are devastated and- they've shown their true stripes to countries that they're supposedly friends up with. So China is not going to crash and everybody wants that to be the case. But if you can print money and then tell bankers at gunpoint to put it into the economy, which we cannot do, you can manage the decline. But how strong they are going forward is a different story. So to think that there is this narrative that the United States is in a position of weakness vis-a-vis China is wrong, absolutely wrong. And this pandemic has been beneficial, if you're looking at war games, so to speak, to us, to the United States.
0: Uh, Who else do you think China is getting close to? You You think Russia and Putin trust China right now?
1: I don't think Russia trusts anybody. But Russia likes to be there. Russia, Russia just likes to have an invitation to the party. They just want to be sure that everybody knows that they've got tanks and they've got oil. But they don't have much else other than that. But they do have a really long border with China. Yeah. And that alliance is eh, pretty good. Saudi Arabia? Possibly.
0: Russia's like the uh, brother who keeps in contact with your ex.
1: That's a really good way to put it.
0: Very weird. What are do you doing, my ex? Yeah. Like, let it go. You know, we broke up. You're supposed to be on this side, but it's very weird what uh, Russia does. They have an interesting way of doing things.
1: Russia likes to. Russia, Russia's like that itch you can't scratch. Yeah. They just, they like to make trouble. It's what yeah. Russia does. Yeah. Because they're not dominant, but and so they weird. never will be again. But they can. But that's not to say that, that, that China can't build alliances.
0: Last, last question here for you. So I have my thoughts, I'm curious to know what you think. I mean, you saw how bad the protests got at one point, mm-hmm. and it was pretty ugly, going mm-hmm. back and forth. Do you think since, we're in July right now, you got July, August, September, October, November. Okay, Goldman Sachs said, the election this year is going to be very similar to the one with gore and bush the fact that they're not going to finally they're not going to know who wins for another three weeks and gore and bush was 35 days they feel this one's going to be the same way that we're not going to know the news right off the bat and they're going to have to recount etc cetera, etc cetera. okay fine no problem what are your what your opinion about how ugly things are going to get in the next few months could we potentially have Something close to civil war, or do you think things are going to get pretty peaceful the next four months with the election?
1: I think that politics in America today is about money. And I think that people with money are aware of the risks that you describe. And if you can buy elections, which you can in this country then you can get rid of that gray area if you wanna put enough money towards it.
0: I speak code, but can you unpack the code you just shared? Like, buy what election? So if I can buy the Biden election, if I can win yes. that, and then I'm gonna eliminate a lot of the headaches.
1: If there's a landslide, everything you're talking about goes away.
0: I don't think it's gonna happen.
1: We'll find out, but remember, there aren't any political signs in my neighborhood when you drive home tonight look in your neighborhood and you get back to me and well, tell me you. if you no, see no. political signs me, it's very quiet out there I'm,
0: there's one and last four years ago there was like 50. There was only one when you said i went straight to my community and i thought about the drive i make to go see where the signs are to see which neighbor is what we have none of it right now it's yep. just one
1: Yep.
0: now when i was in florida yesterday mm-hmm. we went to Hillsboro <laughs> <laughs> we were looking at homes all over fort lauderdale Hillsboro and on all these places, Rio Vista, and you saw boats. I've never seen this many boats with Trump flags. I tell you, Mario, did you see one with Biden? No.
1: Well, I haven't seen any Biden anything. I
0: couldn't believe it was just Trump, 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 Trump. And my realtor, well, it's Jack. It's kind of
1: his backyard, I mean, yeah. isn't it? Mar Lago. Oh, no, it I is, mean, but, but, but but
0: our driver, our bus driver, was like, oh, we hate him here. We were driving by past Marlock. I said, tell me, why who hates him here? Oh, everybody hates him. Why? And I thought she was going to give a political answer. She said, because every time he comes to visit his family, do you know he shuts down the road because he wants all the privacy? And people get off work at 4 o'clock. We have to wait three hours. I'm like, I thought you were going to give me like a, you know what he said. All she thought about is traffic. So that's why we hate the guy. I'm like, you know what? Hey. I can respect that. It's it's one that affects Think you. about so, it.
1: The top 1%, they own those boats. And they've done very well yes, under Trump. Have.
0: Yes, yes, they have. I think that is true. So, Danielle, why don't we tell everybody what we're doing? Why don't we? Let's tell them. Let's tell them. I'm excited because the last time uh, when, when uh, we sat down, and we spoke, uh, afterwards, uh, I, I sat down I talked to Mara. I'm like, you know what? I think, I think she has so much to offer. I think she needs a platform for her to constantly share her thoughts because the audience wants to know so much. And that's when I reached out. I said, let's get on the phone. You and I got together. And I said, Danielle, how about you become a host on Valuetainment? And then we went back and forth, and then you said, yes, let's do it. And I'm excited to announce to all of you that you are looking at one of the latest hosts on Valuetainment. She'll be doing interviews and some other kind of content. Danielle, I'm very excited to have you as a host on Valuetainment.
1: Valuetainment Economics, here we come. It's
0: going to be exciting. So having said that, uh, this was a wonderful conversation. Thank you for your time. Looking forward to what the future has to hold for all of us. Likewise.